Welcome to the Heartbreak Kids Podcast, where we explore what connects us all in our yoga practice and in our lives. This is where I talk to people about their stories, who they are, what they've been through, and where they're going. And in this podcast, that's what we explore. I believe deep down inside, we're all connected, which explains why we bring ourselves to the top of our mat every day. Welcome to the Heartbreak Kids. So welcome to the next edition of the Heartbreak Kids. I'm here with uh, Joseph Armstrong, and we have been going back and forth for a long time trying to get this episode on the Heartbreak Kids, and we've had technical issues and Wi-Fi issues and all types of issues, and I'm really excited to have him on because, uh, to be honest with you, we share a lot of uh, you know similarities in our story, and so Joseph, I want to thank you for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you as well. I'm happy to be here. Uh, Thank you for having me. And yeah, it's just been like a comedy of errors trying to get this podcast recorded. So uh, thank you for your patience. Yeah, it's definitely been uh, on both of our ends, I think, too. It's not not just your end. Yeah, it's it's been humorous at times. Yeah, it definitely has. Well, let's uh, let's start with a little bit of background um, information, and like let's give the you know let's give the listeners just a little bit of you know who you were and where you kind of grew up. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm from North Carolina. Uh, I was born there in '79, so I'm 41 years old from North Carolina. I grew up in a small town called Burlington which is in the Piedmont. So it's like the middle of the state. And I was raised by my grandmother. Um, My mom, like myself, uh, had some addiction issues. So uh, at a relatively young age, I was, uh, well, first sent to live briefly in an orphanage. Um, And then uh, after a little while there, my grandmother got custody custody of me and I moved in with her. So I lived with my grandmother from the time I was uh, probably seven or eight until the day I graduated high school, until 18. And we had an interesting relationship. Um, You know, our family background, we're an interesting group of people. You know, like most families, we we have, some good parts and some rocky parts. Uh, so my grandmother and I were actually a lot of alike in some ways, but um, we also butted heads a lot of time. So why is that? Why did we butt heads or how are we alike or both? Um, actually, yeah, good question, both. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I think we both have, well, I think we shared like the same generational family trauma, you know? So I think that there's this thing that's been passed down the line in our family where, um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of um, addiction issues and there's been a lot of mental health issues along the line. And, you know, my, my grandmother had, uh, I guess, a slightly abusive mother herself. 
Um, and, you know, that led to uh, my grandmother exhibiting some of those same characteristics, I think. Um, gotcha. So, you know, at some point, uh, I guess we just started to butt heads in um, the way that we were both, mm, I don't know, very willful and very sort of um, maybe even disconnected from others in a way. We both have a tendency to um, not necessarily see how we're affecting other people. Um, yeah. Yeah. I get yeah. it. Gotcha. I mean, it, it makes a lot. I mean, it makes a lot of sense that you know, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm basically the same person as my grandfather. <laughs> like, and and we butted heads, but I mean, he was also like a major support role uh, for me, like during active addiction. Yeah, uh, one one of the people that I looked up with, but also he was just uh, or looked up to, but it seemed like he was, um, you know, he had his own own stuff as well. Um, so yeah. I totally understand that. Yeah. And, you know, my grandmother, you know, I, I think that she may at some point along the, the line had some uh, addictive personality as well, but at somewhere she actually got that all cleaned up. So in the time she was raising me, I don't, I don't think that there was any, we didn't have any repercussions from drug or alcohol use on her part, mm -hmm. but she was definitely well-versed in, um, in the signs and signals of, of uh, addictive behavior. And, you know, I think part of the reason why she was so hard on me a lot of the time was because she did have this experience with my mother whose life had turned into a, a complete disaster and train wreck. Um, and, and she would tell me a lot about how similar she, she thought my mother and I were. And more often than not, in, in the good ways, you know, she would tell me that, like, we both always had our nose in books, or we were both too smart for our own good, or that I looked like her. You know, a, a lot of times it was, it was good things that she was referencing in our similarities. But I see now looking back that I'm sure she saw other signs as well. Um, and, and she really, like, she was tough. She was, uh, she was tough on, on me in a lot of ways. And she was trying to, to look out for my best interest. Um, but you know, some of her methods and, and her, um, levels of thoughtfulness for how she dealt with it weren't necessarily the best. Gotcha. Yeah. And so uh, tell me a little bit about like, you know, high school and college, like, did you do good in high school? Like what kind of kid were you? And like, did you end up going to college? Yeah. Uh, you know, I was actually, I, I like to think, I think myself as a pretty good kid up until a certain age, you know, I, I had some sort of challenges, um, uh, emotionally because of my relationship with my mother and, you know, early childhood trauma. So my grandmother actually had a lot of work on her hands when she first got me in terms of behavior 
and, and working through some things with me. So I spent a good amount of time in like the counselor's office when I was in elementary school. <laughs> and, you know, I was, I was actually writing a little bit today about how I would do like when I was a, in like second grade, like I can't remember exactly why I thought this was okay or why I did this, but I think I just didn't want to do my classwork. And, you know, the way it worked is our teacher would hand out these worksheets. And when we were done, we would just go put it in a folder. And somehow I got the idea to like trade my worksheet with someone else's. And I just like erased their name and put mine on it and put it in my folder, you know? And I, I don't, I, I can see now that like I've some, for some reason I decided that it was just better to take like the easiest possible route sometimes, or when I felt like um, I wasn't going to do well enough, I was just going to cheat, you know? And that, that was established in me very early. Like I was doing that for real in the second grade wow. and I, I got busted for it. And, you know, uh, so these are the sort of like behavioral, emotional things that I was dealing with right away. Yeah. Uh, and do you, do you feel like uh, you still have a tendency to go into those kind of places? Hmm. You know, not so much. I mean, of course that that awareness is still there in me and there's i think that when you um the way you are in your formative years there's always sort of an echo of that so there are a lot of things in me that i don't like that echo you know um but they're not they're they're just echoes they're not like the main behavior they're not like what's happening at the steering wheel um so yeah, I definitely notice echoes of that sort of behavior in myself, um, but less, far less tendency to, to act on it. Um, and this is a recent development in say, maybe the last, um, since I got sober, really. So I got sober in, in 2013, 14. But um, anytime before that, I would say that that same behavior was like still in uh, full active, uh, uh, a fully active state. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And congratulations on, uh, you know, sobriety. It's a, it's, it's a gift, man. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it really changed everything for me. Um, yeah. And, you know, like just to, to go back a, a, a second, you know, I, I was also, because I was the child of a really, really destructive addict, for a long time, I had very strong opinions about drugs and alcohol through like uh, elementary, middle and high school. I was very anti all of that in a lot of ways. Um, but then once, once I did finally uh, uh, break the seal, I guess, I discovered how much I, I really um, had a predisposition, I guess, towards that sort of uh, addictive, self-destructive behavior. 
Yeah, it's a, you know, it's generational. It's, you know, like it, it's, in, it's basically in our genes, you know, to, yeah. a, to a certain extent. So it's, I mean, it's not surprising. No, yeah, it's not. For, for my family, it just skipped a generation. Uh, skipped yeah. my dad and my mom, and, and, but both of their uh, grandparents or their parents had, had addiction issues. So they saw yeah. it firsthand. Uh, yeah. but I, I never saw it firsthand, but I, I became the thing that they, they saw. Um, when yeah. they were kids. Well, you know, I, I saw it firsthand with my mom and it was pretty rough and terrible, but at the same time, so did my sister and my sister, I don't think has um, a bone in her body or a cell in her body that's of a, an addictive nature to drugs or alcohol. So it's, it's funny how it can work out. Yeah, for sure. And so where, like, where does the drinking start for you? I mean, at what age did it start? And like, what did it do for you in the, in the beginning? Yeah. Um, well, I've, I finally, I started drinking when I was in uh, my, my senior year of high school. Um, and I started drinking and smoking weed pretty much simultaneously. Um, and before that, I was already flirting with like, a pretty rebellious nature. You know, I, I had started smoking pretty heavily uh, cigarettes when I was like 14, 15. Um, but I was still telling myself that drugs and alcohol were not for me until my senior year when um, my, my circle of friends, I started seeing that they were drinking more. And I, I started hearing more about them using uh, marijuana socially. And um, I can remember very vividly, like when I first started using these things, like there wasn't any sort of um, tempering on my part right away. I was getting drunk and like, totally like stoned beyond uh reason you know there wasn't there wasn't any moderation on my part from the get-go um i was i was a pass out drunk from from the very start um and you know why did i start i don't know like i other people were doing it um it also provided a sort of outlet to a, the stress of my relationship with my grandmother, which progressively through my, my high school years got harder and harder. It also provided an outlet to the fact that I was gay growing up in a small town in the South. Um, it, it made everything easier. It made being myself easier. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and so you feel like it sort of like dropped a, filter or yeah. made you made you feel normal or something like that where all of a sudden like you could feel comfortable in your own skin yeah i mean they're like a buffer right it's kind of like there's just one moment without them everything is very sharp and very uh visceral and then when you add alcohol or or weed to the equation um, then there's a buffer and everything softens a little bit and it's easier just to to let go. And this is especially helpful for someone um, 
someone who feels like terminally unique, we say in, in the program, you know, when we feel like everything is harder for, for us. Um, like it, 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 some of us are just very, very sensitive, you know, and I, I look back now and I realize that like things like normal things, like things that feel like request to normal people often feel like harsh and demanding to me. Um, and, and I guess I could kind of say that about the world too, like the world yeah. that's, yeah. that seems like normal and like normal people can deal with it fine to me felt very harsh and demanding. Uh, I, I so mean, I just, and you feel, you feel that because like you were just sensitive by nature? Yeah, very, very sensitive. And I still am. I still am very, very sensitive. Um, I, I deal with it in completely different ways now. Um, but yeah, I, and especially in the, in the scheme of my family, you know, my family, I think most people in my family have much tougher skin than I do. Um, so, so the way that they would communicate with each other um, and with me, like they, they just didn't seem as affected by it as I was. Um, yeah, I'm just sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, so, so tell me what it was like when it got the worst in your drugs and alcohol, like, tell, like paint a picture of that. Yeah. Um, so just to, to give it a little more context after I, I started using in my senior year and then I went off to college and then right away started progressively using stronger and stronger substances. So um, I started using ecstasy first when I got to college um, fairly frequently. Uh, and then that progressed into um, cocaine and um, other speedy substances. Um, psychedelics, like I, I really, like I went all in on this. Um, and for a number of years, you know, it, it just built and built and built. Um, lots of major repercussions in my life in terms of relationships uh, with partners, relationships with my family relationships with employers. I, until I started teaching yoga, I think I can say I, I literally got fired from every job I ever had. Uh, either got fired or preemptively quit or stopped showing up because I yeah. knew I was gonna get fired. Um, and this went on for years, years and years, probably about from the time I went to college in 99 until it started to heat, hit its peak which was in 2012 and 13. And by then I had started using um, crystal meth and um, I went through a progression of sort of snorting at first and then smoking it. And then eventually I started um, shooting it. And, you know, those, I, from the first time I, I shot up crystal meth until, um, I hit my rock bottom was a matter of six months. Wow. Uh, it was really fast. That's great. And yeah. So I, I say a lot of times that it was actually, 
I think that if if I hadn't started shooting up, I don't know where I'd be today. Like maybe like I would just still be languishing like I did those other what 13 years, you know, but mm-hmm. but shooting up really caused me to make some really bad decisions. Um so um decisions that basically had me ending ending up homeless living out of a rental vehicle like a vehicle that i rented for a few days and then kept for a few months wow um and basically driving uh city to city with uh a stash of ghb which is uh, another drug and selling that to buy more more crystal and living out of this van you know it it was really it was really sad you know it was it was a very pathetic way of living um and i got completely disconnected from all my friends and family um for these these few months my entire life was the process of um getting high and then drying out a little bit and initiating the process of trying to get high again um it got really bad you know at at the at the very end my i i hit a really super bad streak of paranoia where i thought my uh boyfriend at the time was basically trying to out to get me and trying to steal this rental vehicle um so on the spur of the moment i called the company and told them where to come get it the the rental truck and they came and they got it and then like we were stuck we had driven from our home in dc all the way into florida and we were literally on a curb in in tampa with nothing anymore not even a vehicle to sleep in yeah. So at that point I I I knew that I had to do something different and I knew that I only really had one option um and that was to reach out to my family. Um and luckily they were there for me and they arranged a flight for me from Florida to to where we're we're from in North Carolina and they started this this process of of getting me sober and getting my life together wow yeah. i mean that's pretty amazing that uh, your family swooped in like that because I, I know a lot of people like basically lose their connection you know like yeah parents or grandparents get upset with them or there's some yeah. sort of morality issue at play where they think that what you're doing is wrong um and they walk away from you yeah well you know um I think my my family, like due to the experience of what happened with my my mother, they they have enough experience with all of this. So so my mother was an addict from the time she was a teenager until she died. I mean, it, she died from it when she was around forty, um, and um, I. I saw there be moments in in her drug career where um, they wouldn't touch her with a ten foot a ten foot 
pull, you know, because they right. knew that her, her, her behavior and her state of mind were just so bad, there was nothing to be done about it. But then at other times, the, like these moments of desperation come in an addict's career where they would try to help her and she would get some time clean, you know? Um, so I think I knew that um, when, when the moment came, if, if I was going to try to uh, legitimately try to get myself clean and sober, I knew that they would help me. I, I don't think I ever doubted that. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, and yeah. also very fortunate too. Yeah, it is very fortunate. And again, the more time that goes by, the more, the more clarity I get on, on how, how great my family really is in some ways. You know, there were a lot of years where I wouldn't have said anything good about my relationship with my grandmother or my sister um, because we had a, a lot of falling out. But when, um, when in my moment of really great desperation, um, after all the shitty things I had done, they were still there for me. It really gave me some insight onto how, how people can be multiple things. Like, you know, they, yeah, they, they have some serious, they cause some serious issues with me in terms of like my not being accepting of my sexuality and not being supportive of me in the ways that I needed sometimes. Um, but at the same time, they were always going to be there for me when I really needed them. Wow. So people, people are multiple things. Yeah. I, you know? I hear that for sure. And so tell me how yoga like came into the picture, you know, because uh, like, I see, see all of the things that you're doing now. And, you know, um, I always like wonder because, you know, just because of my story and, you know, our similarities, I'm always like, how, how do they get there? You know, yeah. when so many people, you know, they die from the disease of alcoholism and drug addiction, or, you know, they're still out there drinking and using, like, how did you get to what, where you're at right now? Well, you know, I, I have some good fortune in that um, I had a friend when I was living in Washington, D.C., who uh, invited me to a yoga class. And um, I, this was a period in my life when I was in and out of, of sobriety. I was, I was relatively high functioning for periods at this time. So I was holding down a job and paying bills um, and and going on binges sometimes, but at other times keeping myself uh, pretty together for a few weeks at a time. You know, so this friend of mine invited me to a yoga class and I immediately loved it. Like, um, I knew that there was something about the, the quality of embodiment that it brought that was uh, powerful for me mm -hmm. um, because so much of my, my life had been spent like trying to not feel embodied or trying not to feel so sensitive um, or trying to only feel good um, rather than just feeling whatever was there. Uh, this, this yoga class really 
challenged me physically. It challenged me um, emotionally. Um, even the, the the moments of stillness at the end were a challenge. You know, right. uh, so I still that have it. a problem with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Astranga, like Astranga, at least in a vinyasa class, like the teacher is going to stand there and hover over you for your final right. rest and maybe talk you through it. But in Ashtanga, they just say like, take rest, you know, um, and no one's there to ensure that you do it. So I, I often leave that final rest too soon. Um, <laughs> but that's beside the point. Uh, but, but what's interesting is that, so I got introduced to my first yoga class and, you know, this sort of back and forth developed between my using my, uh, attempts at recovery through conventional means and my yoga. So um, I would end up making stabs at sobriety through uh, meetings, and then uh, that wouldn't take. Uh, so I'd go back to using. I'd do some more yoga. I tried to make a stab at sobriety through a rehab. Um, and in the end, that would never take. So I'd go back to, to using. Um, and then I'd take some yoga classes. So, so yoga started like working its way into my life. At the same time, I was still partaking in very self-destructive behaviors. Um, and at one point, I decided that everything else was failing. Every attempt at a, a treatment program, um, every attempt to go cold turkey, it was all failing. So after I lost a really good job, um, I decided that I should go to India and see if I could get my life together there and do some like seeking in India. Wow. So I, I got a round trip ticket for three months. And originally my intention was to stay at a sort of um, reforestation commune down near Pondicherry. And um, I stayed there two months and still didn't manage to get sober. You know, I was um, hopping on, walking out of this commune, getting on the bus on the highway in India, riding the bus into Pondicherry and, and finding drink there. Mm -hmm. um, and this, this, commu this community had like a firm restriction, like you were supposed to ag agree to maintain a sober lifestyle when you arrived there. Um, but I just still couldn't do it. After two months there, I decided I should try something else. And I actually ended up in Mysore before I even knew what Ashtanga was. So I ended up in Mysore and That's did crazy. a teacher training. Um, <laughs> yeah, at a school called the Mystic School. Maybe you remember it. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. So yeah, I went to Mysore, not a clue in the world about Ashtanga, and I did a teacher training. Um, still during that training, I did not manage to, to get sober. I was sneaking out of this house that I was staying in late at night and going to this divey bar on the main street and buying bottles of alcohol, even sitting in there sometimes, like, and drinking. Um, so, so I guess my whole point is that like, yoga and addiction coexisted in my life for a long time as well. Wow. Uh, 
that just seems so hard, you know, like, cause yoga brings you so much to like the truth or, you know, the, maybe not even truth just to like see like through your bullshit, you know? Yeah. Like this, it's hard. It seems hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I would say, um, I don't know. I can't even, I can't explain it or, or validate it. It's just like the, the pool of it was just still very strong with me. Um, and this was well before that rock bottom that I told you about. This is well before I got into the heavy meth usage, you know? So it's kind of like I was at this time I was still like my, my main troubles were probably, um, like drinking and and a little bit of stimulant use it wasn't until after all this flirtation later that i really started to move into the most serious parts of of my my addiction story um yeah i don't know that is interesting that they they coexisted for so long i i just knew that there was something in yoga for me and it's kind of like you know, the drugs and the yoga, sometimes they, they offer the same thing to me, which is some sort of experience of um, insight, you know, and whether it be true or, or correct or not, like the drugs made me feel an experience of, of like insight, like, to me in those moments of usage, it felt like I was more connected, you know, especially on a drug like, um, like meth, which can create some really strong, uh, senses of like euphoria, you know? Sure. Uh, So, so yeah, I, I do think that kind of, I've, I was looking for the same thing in, in the yoga and the drugs in a way. Yeah, I can see that for sure. I mean, you know, like, I, I, because everyone always asks, like, you know, is your yoga an addiction now? Mm. And, and I think the easy answer is no, it's not. But yeah. there is a sort of a sort of a place that, you know, one goes to when using drugs and alcohol, where there is the sense of like inner peace, like when it's still your friend, it's, it's inner peace, you know? That, yeah. you, that you kind of find you do feel comfortable in your own skin as a result yeah. of drinking and using. Yeah. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, like it kind of turns on you, but you know, you get into yoga and then all of a sudden like that similar situation happens where like, wow, I feel really good. I feel, you know, a sense of euphoria and happy and, and a light and I'm gaining insight and all of these different things, you know, so people ask like, you know, is it the same thing or have you switched one addiction from the, uh, to the other? And, you know, like, yeah, there is some emotions, but I mean, it is completely different though. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. And, you know, I also like, I think I I will sometimes even say that I replaced one addiction with another and, you know, I'm okay with being addicted to uh, yoga as opposed to um, drugs, you know? Yeah, same. Um, it's okay with me. Yeah. And you know, well, like, healthy behaviors for, you know, better than unhealthy behaviors, stuff that's yeah. going to kill you. Yoga, I don't think has ever killed anyone. Yeah, I don't think so either. 
So, so where did Ashtanga yoga sort of come into play for you? Like, how, how did you get into Ashtanga? You know, because it, I, I didn't really ask, but I assume that that first class was like a vinyasa class. Yeah. And so, but like, how did, how did all of a sudden you fell into Ashtanga yoga and the people at MLC and stuff? Yeah. Um, I, I like this story actually, because, um, you know, this somehow I had along the course of my, my yoga, um, experience developed some sort of idea that, uh, Ashtanga wasn't good for me. I think I had this idea that a lot of people hold that Ashtanga is, um, I don't know. I, I guess I thought that it was too um, physical. Um, I guess maybe I thought that it was um, too, um, I don't know. I just thought it wasn't for me, whatever, for whatever reason. Um, and then I ended up in, D in Miami here and I had no idea about Tim or Kino or Ashtanga Yoga besides the fact that I didn't think it was good for me. But their studio offered the really the only deal I could afford. And they offered 30 days for $30, something like that. Um, so you could get a really good price on your first month of practice with them. Wow. I was like, well this is what I can afford. So I guess I'm going to go try uh, Ashtanga yoga. <laughs> so you're yeah. like coerced into it by the deal yeah. that they have. Yeah. I was totally like, like it was not my, it wasn't something I was seeking out or that I thought I needed or that I'd heard about. It's just like, this is what I can afford. So I'm going to go try this. But then once I, I decided I was going to try it, I really started reading about it. And I started looking at the sequence and I started looking at um, its, its rich history. And by the time that I, I was supposed to start my class, I was actually genuinely excited. Like I had, I had built up a, a real excitement about taking on this Mysore style practice. And um, I, I think that I recognized once I started learning about it that it had a lot of potential to help me um, and my my addiction issues um, because it, it was gonna I thought that it was gonna offer me a sort of discipline and a sort of self control and responsibility to self that I was I desperately needed. Um, so by the time I, I went to that first class, I was actually really nervous. I was so nervous when um, I went over there. And um, I, it was magical. Like, I don't even, like, walking through the doors of that shala, um, there was just an energy about it. Um, there was a feeling that uh, something special was happening there. It was an incredibly busy Mysore program uh, before the sun was rising. I walked in the door and the, it was sort of dark and moody and there were candles lit. And this really like super mystical lady was working at the front desk. 
And it was just, it was a really magical experience. I, I think that there's a, there's a really special energy that came over me when, when I, I got there. Um, and I just started the process. I started learning the sequence. Um, and that was that. Yeah, and it, who was teaching you in the beginning? Well, my first month there was with Patrick Nolan. Um, okay. And, you know, after that first month ended and the membership went up to full price, I couldn't go anymore. I couldn't afford it. Um, so I had that sort of one golden month where I fell in love with it. And then um, I, I lost my membership because I just, I, I was very newly sober. I was working a very low paying job and um, I just didn't have the money. Yeah. And I asked at that time to be put on a wait list for work study. Um, and it was over a year wait until I got a spot on the work study crew. Um, gotcha. So I, I took a year after that one month of just doing like a self-practice at home. Um, and how did that go? It went okay. You know, I, I think that... During that time, I also started teaching yoga. So I started teaching vinyasa flow. Um, and my self-practice a lot of days would look like uh, Ashtanga sun salutations and standing asanas. And then me practicing the flow that I intended to teach that day. You know, so, so my, my practice for that year was different. Like it was Ashtanga based, but it was also much more um, a tool for me to to prep for teaching as well um which honestly like so is my ashtanga practice you know now i i just i just practice the the full series uh that are assigned to me but still it's the same thing it's my prep for what i'm going to be teaching um but yeah finally after that year i got the call to to do the work study program and you know, that, that was really, for me, I can't tell you like the joy and excitement that I felt when, when I got that call because I've been waiting for it. I've been following up on it. I've been writing them, asking them for a spot. And when I finally got it, I just knew instinctually that this was such an important opportunity for me. Um, that is exciting. I mean, it's a great yeah. place to, you know, to have that happen to you for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and it's such a, like f the community there, um, you know, is the teachers are so established and what they have to offer is just so uh, life-changing. Um, and for me, being invited into the community in that work-study position opened up so many doors. Um, so, you know, I, I, I was lucky enough to, after a year of doing the work-study, be invited to join an apprenticeship program there. Um, so that was a two-year course I did. Um, Wow. And that's that's really the best yoga education I think I could have asked for, you know. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. 
I mean, going from uh, smoking and shooting crystal meth to all of a sudden, like, you know, being at one of the best yoga places in the, the United States. Um, yeah. I, that pretty amazing story, Joseph. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of, you know, it was e- equal measures, good luck and hard work in the end. You know, yeah. I just I had some really, really good luck. Um. And then I was fortunate enough to have the wherewithal to really be ambitious with that good luck. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, it's really great. And it's, it's great to hear too, that, uh, you know, the whole thing has kind of worked out, you know, it's like, I believe in higher power and it sounds like, you know, or it seems like the universe in your world is, you know, looking out for you. Yeah, well, it feels that way to me. Um, I, I keep really loose, like, um, ideas about higher powers and, and the intentionality of the universe. But I definitely um, can't help but feel like there is a sort of um, directionality and purpose behind the sequence of events in in life sometimes um and i i see that here yeah and and so i'm wondering you know like after several years of practice and you know like having these things happen to you like what inspires you to continue to show up at your mat Mm. and then also like what do you think like your i mean what's your i mean what's your why like, why do yeah. you show up and, and like, why does it work for you? So it seems to be working. Yeah. I mean, why do I show up and, and why does it work? I mean, I show up because, you know, at first I showed up because I, I was failing at everything else I did. You know, and it was as simple as that. It was something I could show up for. And it felt like it was working, you know, it felt like I um, shifted into something that was sort of like a flow state or something that just like, it just worked. Um, and I think that that's a big thing that I've taken away from, from my, my journey into yoga is that um, for me, for there to be some amount of healing and and well-being in life, I had to connect with something that felt like my purpose. You know, I think I would have, without yoga and my practice and teaching, I don't think um, I would have been able to stay on the path of, of sobriety and healing just because everything else didn't quite feel right. Um, there's just something inside of me that knows that this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, and it helps me deal with a, a lot of questions that I have and a lot of doubts and a lot of fear. Um, and it helps me work with this sort of um, existential angst that, that was really so destructive in my life for so many years. Like now I... I can channel that all those questions and all that fear into um, 
an approach that helps me um, be at peace, you know? And, and that's what the yoga does, just getting on my mat, sticking with my, my discipline, connecting into my breath, um, helps me feel more at ease with, with all the other stuff that happens around me. Does that make sense? Total. Yeah, total sense. And it's like the beauty of the practice is that, you know, like you get to tune in and you get to experience it all. And, and that sounds like what, what you're describing there. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. is. Um, so, you know, I just like, if, it's also for me, it's, it's a matter of like, I have a really big interest in, in like, the nature of things like I I'm very curious about the the mystery and like whatever it is that set all of this in motion um and I feel like yoga and contemplative practices and especially the the practitioners who have walked this path before me like they, there's a lot of information here that really helps me feel um, like it's possible to, to explore my curiosity um, in a way that's um, healthy for myself, you know, because in a lot of ways, my drug use was about exploring my curiosity as well. You know, like I, the, the meth creates a really strong mental effect. Um, and so does uh, some of the other drugs I did, like the psychedelics and whatnot. Um, and they, sometimes I really could feel like um, they gave me an insight to the mystery of the universe. Um, and now I get that same thing through my practice. Like I, I get the same sort of, um, feeling of being close to whatever is underneath the, the outer layers of the fabric of reality. Um, yeah. 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 It's pretty, um, I, it, it's pretty similar in like how I, I feel my experience has been too, where there's just a sense of um, somehow that there's, this uh newfound seeing and, and i kind of explained that earlier where the, like you're using the drugs and alcohol there's like this sort of seeing that happens and then yeah. all of a sudden you're into yoga and there's like you know the sort of the veil has been pulled over your eyes and you're like oh wow i see everything different today yeah yeah for sure and you know this reminds me i i'm taking a course right now and the other day one of the teachers um was talking about how um like there we have some issues with understanding what god or the creator is because god is a word you know like god is the object that is the word god you know yeah. uh so it, it, yoga sort of hints at the fact that God is something much 
grander and much more different than a human brain can conceptualize. Um, so that's that's really fascinating to me, and it's it's really helpful for me to connect to these traditions, which have some inkling of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's definitely some deep meaning and deep uh, deep things, like especially as you like start start contemplating those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. Well, so tell me uh, tell me a little bit about you know like obviously COVID has kind of thrown up uh, everything up in the air, but like, tell me about your teaching and tell me the things that you're doing right now, the, you know, to kind of support your community. Well, uh, you know, through COVID, all of our classes in person stopped abruptly, like everyone else. And we, we switched to an online model for quite a bit of time. Um, And then we finally reopened back in November, an in-person Mysore at Miami Life Center. And today actually marks the end of 16 weeks um, that that program's been back. Um, we are conducting our classes in a shala that used to hold 30 people mat to mat. We've um, socially distanced down to nine people in that room. Um, and we have uh, a strong community who are, are bouncing back already. Um, we have um, some people who have already gotten their vaccinations and we have some people who um, are just leaning into yoga as their as an equally important way of healing until they can get their vaccination. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so our community is, is working its way back slowly, slowly towards normalcy. Um, at the same time, Miami Life Center is keeping like a huge online program. Um, one of my colleagues, Amelia, is teaching a Mysore with uh, 30 people in it a day online. Um, and you know, we've tried to really step up all of our online offerings as, as much as we can. So it's been an an interesting time. Um, but I think it's going well, you know, I think that people for the most part, um, like we're, we're all trying to make the most of it. Sure. And some people really like it. And some people are really thriving from this online experience, just as I, yeah, I agree. Who haven't had access to teachers, you know? Yeah, it's, it's going really good. Um, I like, there's several people that we have in ours and, and uh, to be honest with you, they've made a bunch of progress, just having some accountability and having an eye on their practice when they were just home practitioners. Yeah, I, I've observed the same thing. Um, and a lot of gratitude, a lot of people who are just so happy to, to be able to connect into community. Um, yeah. So obviously, like this, this pandemic has caused so much harm and, and so much um, challenge. But there are some, some positives that have come out of it for some people too. Yeah, for sure. Well, Joseph, I want to um, thank you for being on the show and and sharing your story and your heart and insight and 
And uh, it was re- it really felt like a breath of fresh air to, you know, to talk to you and, and hear some of the things that you just said. Um, it was pretty powerful. And so thank you for being on the show. And I'd love to have you back on here in the future. Yeah, well, it was a nice conversation. Thank you for having me. And um, I, I enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. If you want more information about Ashtanga Yoga, visit ashtangayogacolumbus.com. You can also check out my website, which is taylorhuntyoga.com. See you guys next time. Thank you.